From KFAI Community Radio in Minneapolis, this is the Mini Culture Podcast, special COVID edition. Stories about Minnesota artists who are making it work in this time of social distancing. I'm your host, Barb Abney. This is our fourth season of the Mini Culture Podcast, where we bring you KFAI's best stories about arts, culture, and history from around the state of Minnesota. But this season might sound a little different. That's because everything is a little different right now. Yeah, I'm looking at the window. At this time, usually people are coming up and down the streets. And now it's like a dead street. Nobody's outside. You know, I think the first week it hit me hard. I was a little depressed because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what do we do? What's the next steps? All our training's out the door. It's survival mode right now. Survival mode making ends meet, taking care of your people, adapting to this weird time of social distancing. I'm in that boat myself. Like normally I'd record in the studio, but right now I'm in my kid's bedroom using an iPhone to record this podcast. Around Minnesota, we've gone from eating in restaurants to curbside takeout. And instead of taking dance classes in the studio, we're picking up new moves from online videos. Lots of artists are figuring out how to reach their fans from a distance because, as we know, everything is closed. Thank you for calling the Walker Art Center. Hi, thanks for calling the Cedar Cultural calling Center. calling the Minneapolis Institute of Art. Minnesota Orchestra Ticket calling Services. First Avenue and 7th Street Entry. Due to COVID-19 virus. COVID-19. Due to COVID-19. Our offices are now closed. Our offices are currently closed. Closed. Rescheduled. Postponed. Canceled. Definitely postponed. We got nothing. It's unbelievable. Any place I would be going, I think of the people that would be there, the people that work there, faces you see every time you walk in the door. They don't have jobs right now. We can't go there right now. So we just stay home. I'm holed up right now with my teenage daughter and my partner and our two cats. We're practicing social distancing, doing our part for public health. Since we can't hang out in people's homes right now, we asked a local artist to invite us into hers. Janan Sanjust, she's the founder of Afu Tai. It's a Haitian dance, music, and arts company that she runs with her mother, Florencia Pierre. Though right now, it's based out of her two-bedroom apartment in Lakeville, just south of the Twin Cities. She lives there with her mom, her teenage son, and her dog. We asked her to record this audio diary. Yeah, I'm looking at the window. At this time, usually people are coming up and down the streets. And now it's like a dead street. Nobody's outside. It's sad. I don't like sad things. That's why I think I became a dancer. Because I like to bring joy in people's life. And... With my gift, I cannot go outside and start dancing. People are scared of me or scared of each other. Let's see. Who knows? Maybe they might like that. We will see. Somebody is calling me. Oh, man. Back again. Hello? Hi. This call is for D-J-E-N-A-N-E. To verify that this is... D-J-E-N-A-N-E. Thanks, Just. 
Please press one now. If you are not this person, I would like. Hello, this is Synchrony Bank calling regarding your business. That's it. Every day, credit card are calling me. If I'm not teaching, I don't know. I'm gonna pay for all those bills. It's just a nightmare, a nightmare. Being stuck inside and having no income. I'm an independent contractor. What I do is what I get paid for. If I don't teach, I don't get paid. It's very stressful, especially for me as a, a single mom in charge of my son, myself, my mom, and my dog. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I think temporarily I'm gonna dance it out. When I'm doing my my dancing, the dancing happened in the living room. We live in a small apartment. There's not much space, but we push away the furniture so I can dance. There's drums all over the place and instrument. And we're gonna march. As a Haitian woman, you were born to be resourceful. So no is not an answer. Everything that happened, you try your best to make it work. And you make that a daily habit. My mom is singing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the art session at home. Oh, it's that. Hi, Bobo. Yes, I find the music I want to listen. Oh, yeah. Every morning I wake up, I see how many people pass away from this tragedy, from this disease. My heartbreak. I don't want to go without enjoying every single desire of my life. And I have many. <laughs> I have many. But also, if it's the time for me to go, I will embrace it with love and laughter and family and kindness. I've never been rich and I don't think that it's part of my destiny either. But something great I have, it's my family and my friends. And the fact that I enjoy dancing and I enjoy spreading that joy and, and laughter. Merci, love Aïe, Bobo. Aïe, Bobo. That audio diary was produced by Anna Stitt. Since she's recorded this audio diary, Janan and her mom have adapted their living room sessions. 
they filmed a series of Haitian dance lessons for the Cole Center. And today it's Carnival Day Three, Part Three. Woo! I'm so excited. Look at my makeup, my dress. In these videos, you can see how she's created this festive teaching environment in her own home. She wears a sparkly skirt, and there's a chair behind her that's decked out with a string of lights. So, and we're gonna do a parade at the end. So get ready! Are you ready? We posted a link to those videos in our show notes. You can also search Cole's Classroom on YouTube. That's C-O-W-L-E-S. How are you? You know, we say it all the time. Hey, how are you? And normally we don't really even mean it, but now we're really asking, seriously, how are you? How are you holding up? So we wanted to check in with some artists for this podcast and ask them, how are you? KFAI producer Nancy Rosenbaum knew exactly who she wanted to check in with. Hey, Nancy. Hey, Barb. Yeah, so when we decided to check in on local artists, there was one person in particular I knew I wanted to call. His name is Ye Vang. He runs this business. It's called Union Mung Kitchen. And he's been doing the last few years like pop-ups and special events. He has a food truck. And he's become this ambassador for Hmong cuisine, not just here in the Twin Cities, but nationally. He's gotten like a whole bunch of national coverage. Okay, so Hmong cuisine, what would that look like? So one of the things that he's known for is his grilled meats. And actually this month he has this steak dish that is featured on the front cover of Bon Appetit magazine, which is a really big deal. It's a really (laughs) big honor. Um, And the steak is like drizzled with this signature hot sauce that he created called Tiger Bite. Okay, sold. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's telling a really important story about Hmong uh, culture and community. You know, he's part of a wave of Hmong people who came to the U.S. from Southeast Asia in the 1970s and 80s. And in his family's case, you know, they settled here in the Midwest. And now he's making a mark on the food scene here in Minnesota. And I knew that he had been working on a Kickstarter campaign to raise money for his first ever brick and mortar restaurant. We are putting together, we're putting together brick and mortar, a permanent restaurant. We want you to be a part of this. And that he'd raise something like close to $100,000. And so I was curious what his plans were, you know, in the wake of COVID and so many restaurants struggling, like we're seeing restaurants shut down and here he is trying to start one. Yeah. So I decided to give him a call and check in. How are you doing? You know, I think the first week it hit me hard. I was a little depressed because I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, what do we do? What's the next steps? You know, as as a cook or as, you know, like running our, our restaurant, it's like we like we were like, OK, this is how we do it every day. Like this, we practice, practice every day. And then this is kind of like a punch in the face. All our trainings out the door is survival mode right now, you know. So that's kind of how I felt that first week or so. So before we were in the situation, you were actively 
fundraising and planning to open a brick and mortar restaurant. So can you talk about where you were before this and now what you're thinking now that we're in this situation? Yeah. So literally the week before shelter in place, we had a meeting with the architect. They had a architectural rendering of this, uh, of the space. They had a 3d rendering. Like I literally was walking in a 3d rendering of what the space would look like. And I was just so, so excited. And then literally probably, you know, four days, five days later, shelter in place was put in, you know, uh, and, yeah, so when it comes to the, you know, when it comes to the brick and mortar restaurant, we've just told our supporters, we've told, uh, you know, our um, our investors, like, hey, we're just going to put a pause on this because right now we just want to make sure our people are okay. So what was that like for you to go from just this excitement of really being able to see what this was going to look like and it all must have seemed so real and it just about to happen to like having to adjust to a whole new reality? I think in in a uh I don't know in a weird way I feel like my whole life has been planned for stuff like this. Um and, and I'm not trying to make myself a martyr or anything but like nothing in my life has really ever been like this was like planned out perfectly. And so for me I knew that hey if this does happen like uh, we still have to keep pushing forward. So I I attest all of this to my mom and dad. Like you know, a lot of what I talk about goes back to them. Um, through this whole situation, it's interesting because I, I watch my mom and dad and they're, they're not panicking. But um, literally um, uh, right before all the corona stuff hit pretty hard, my dad had a stroke. So he was in the hospital for, um, I don't know, almost a week. And, and as I watch my mom and dad handle that situation – because of what they've been through, uh, the war, refugee camps, like, you know, struggling in America, you know, making ends meet to take care of us, all these little different things, all these little big bumps in the road, I guess, you know, so where, where most people would freak out and not know what to do. They've been through it. And the thing that my mom always say, you know, this, this, it's tough and what we're going through is tough, but, you know, um, you know, kind of better things are yet to come kind of that idea. Like, that's the hope we lean on. For the majority of us, we're being asked to be, you know, to say, just stay at your homes, eat, live life. Watch Netflix. Watch Netflix. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in your homes. You know, my parents were in the refugee camps for 10 years. So for 10 years, you know, and I might, and we might have to wait this out for, you know what, maybe six months? Like, compared to 10 years, it's, so I, I don't know. Like, I, uh, I have that hope where I kind of follow their lead and and their their temperament. What are your conversations like with other chefs and restaurant people? I think, uh, first of all, we were just very empathetic with each other because we're all in the same boat. Like Alex Roberts, who owns Alma and Brasa, um, you know, like I text him and I just said, hey, bro, like, I kind of just said, oh, captain, my captain, you know, like, what's, what do you think are our next steps for us? You know, all, all of us. And I just kind of like, hey, man, like, I'll follow your lead, bro. Like, you know, you tell me what your thoughts are. I'm down, you know. And so for me, it's just really clinging on to some of these vets who are, have 20 years, you know, 25 years in the business. These are the guys who worked really hard to bring the restaurant scene here 
the food scene here in the Twin Cities to where it is now to be nationally known, recognized and being able to stand by them and say, hey, man, like, yeah, let's, you know, I'm with you. Like, you know, uh, you know, I'm a young punk in, in this whole thing. So it's like watching these older dudes who, you know, listening to their voice and listening to what they're saying. What are they saying? Right now, everyone's just saying, take care of your people, take care of your business, take care of your business, take care of your people. Because when all this is done, we want, like we we want you to still be standing here. And so I think of all these other chefs who are just out there, they're cooking for the community. Because that again, like in time of crisis, they do what they know, and that's to cook and to take care of people. And so like. Yeah, if you look all over social media, it's all these chefs and cooks who are turning their kitchens into big, uh, you know, kind of commissary kitchens and saying, hey, let's cook for people. We're going to do box lunches for, you know, kids who are out of school now. Uh, we do box lunches for medical professionals. Okay, let's do, let's do food for this group. Let's do food for this group. You know, like, who's next? And I, I think that that's one thing the community will remember through all this. You know, one of the positives that they'll remember. Well, it's good to talk to you, Yeah. Thank you so much for, you, for making Thank time. You. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Since we recorded that interview, a bunch of Twin Cities restaurants have closed. The Bachelor Farmer, Bar Luchador, even Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters, that patio... I can't even imagine not having a shandy out on that patio, like watching people drive by Lynn Lake neighborhood. It's devastating. We're starting to lose some of the places that make our city the foodie destination it is. But Yi Vang and his crew from Union Mong Kitchen are still cooking up takeout. You can check out their food truck over at Sociable Cider Works in Northeast Minneapolis. Thanks for tuning in to the Mini Culture Podcast, COVID edition, from KFAI Community Radio in Minneapolis. We're going to keep reaching out to Minnesota artists to hear how they're adapting and surviving. Please reach out to others. Keep checking in and keep listening. This podcast was produced by Nancy Rosenbaum with Anna Stitt and Emily Bright, edited by Ryan Dawes and Melissa Olson. Our theme music is by Javier Santiago, with additional music by Pottington Bear. This podcast is made possible by support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. I'm Barb Abney. And before we go, a final word from Janan Sanjust for anyone who's struggling right now. And I share all my love with all the artists, and I understand what you're leaving, but just keep your craft, keep doing, keep producing, because when your heart is happy and you have hope and you can create, that will keep you alive inside. Mm-hmm.